Okay, so we're going to do something different today. Joel and I have a dance that we'd like to do for you. And, um, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> so Joel here to my left was just recently hired as our associate pastor. He uh, full-time is an electrical engineer and has come on board with us in a part-time role as an associate. And it's a pleasure to have you here with us. We've done this a couple times online during the pandemic. And so I've looked forward to the opportunity to do this here. Yep. We went way over first service, so I'm yeah. just going to hit the ground running and start because I don't want to waste Let's any. Do it. Let's I don't want to waste any time. There is a heightened tension in our culture. Would you not agree? Totally agree. Yep. Okay, and it's it's over a lot of different issues, be it politics, mass, um, our response to social issues, and what we're seeing our families friendships, churches, and the country at a great divide. Um, And you know that we're in trouble. I had somebody from the church tell me this week that you know we're in trouble when the only thing that unites us as a people are Bernie Sanders memes. All right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's the only thing that keeps us going. Yeah, that's right. That's right. There is something wrong with us. All right. I wanted, if I'd have had time... I'd have had a picture of Joel and I here with Bernie in the <laughs> Bernie middle, right here. but I just, I just couldn't put it yeah. together, so um, I apologize. Yeah. Um, Joel preached through Romans 14. I went through 1 Corinthians 8 in the last couple of weeks, and uh, in that section is a cultural issue between Jews and Gentiles. Uh, there was an incredible division. You could not have a greater division ethnically or religiously with the Jews and the Gentiles. I don't think it's hyperbole to say that they hated each other. right? And yet, here in the church, in these passages, we see the church bringing a unity. And and, and first, uh, Ephesians 2 talks about this, of the gospel breaking down the dividing wall and and a unity being experienced. Quite an incredible thing, was it not? Yeah, Yeah. amen. Amen. Um, And so what was going on was an issue related to meat. And I'll let you talk about that for a second, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah, the the issue where, yeah, their culture was such that there was a lot of idolatry. And so, you know, the sacrifice of meat to idols was something that would have been pretty normative, you know, in that culture. Uh, and then along comes Christianity, and, you know, you're, you're sitting there, so you become a new believer, and you realize that, you know, that isn't really right to be, you know, you know offering things to idols. And so you, know, you come out of that with the sense, okay, do I, should I be partaking? Maybe I don't need to, uh, you know, that, that's wrong. I don't, I, want to st- I don't want to get anywhere close to that. And so you can see how that can become a, a, an issue for, for that, that first century church to deal with people that are coming out of that and knowing that they that were very entrenched in it at one point in their life. And now, you know, they've been set free with the work of Christ and they, they're able to have a, some discernment in, in various matters. And they're looking at this saying, you know, I don't want to go touch that with a nine-foot pole, so I'm, not, I'm staying a long way mm-hmm. away from it. Uh, but then you got where Paul says, then you got another guy that's also a, a strong believer that doesn't have that. He, they're just, I'll eat, you know, 
no problem eating 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 various. So let me let me just interject that what was yeah. happening was that you had leftover meat from the idols. They yeah. sacrificed meat at the idols. The leftover meat was sold in the market, bought personally, maybe uh, eaten at home, or they had almost like a temple cafe that people would come and partake of this meat. Yeah. So some people associated it with the idols. Uh, that were involved in the idol worship before, and so their conscience was sensitized yeah, con to that. Yeah, they, they were bothered in their conscience by it. And you could, I mean, it makes total sense, that kind of thing, where you'd see, yeah, I can see how right. that could bother a person. So what should have happened, of course, is the church should have listed, do not eat meat for anyone, right? Yeah, just make a simple, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> no, uh, yeah. that was not the thing to do, all right? I was kidding, for those of you that don't know, that my sarcasm, all right? Um, so this, we're, the, the, the passage is not talking about a legalist who likes to, um, I call him a fundamentalist, fun to make a list, um, <laughs> that, that, that they uh, are telling other people how to live their life and listing the things, you know, don't play cards, don't dance, don't drink, blah, 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 all right, yeah. we're just whatever... Uh, church culture you're in, it'll depend on what the list is. And so a lot of churches will do that and they'll tell you, you shouldn't do these things. But these were not issues, and I'll, I'll let you talk about this. These were not issues related to scriptural topics. Can you talk about that for a yeah, second? Yeah, yeah, I think that's critical. I may not have made it quite clear enough last week when I went through Romans, but I, the 14th chapter there, I don't think when you look at this, and both the 1 Corinthians 8 and the Romans 14 passage, they're not issues dealing with clear biblical injunctions or even biblical principles. They're, they're dealing with these secondary issues that, where the Bible doesn't speak. And there's a lot of these things like that. I mean, let's face it, we can walk with the Lord, we can read our word and know it you know, fairly well. And then we come across something like a mat, like mask wearing and saying, well, where does the Bible, does the Bible talk about that? And how are we gonna deal with that now? And so. There are issues that we face that, that I think, it, I'm, I'm very thankful for passages like this because the, the Lord didn't leave us completely in the dark. He wrote to us about situations like this where you have what I was calling last week secondary or even tertiary issues. Uh, but I do think it's key to, to establish that when, I, when I'm sort of defining these as secondary or tertiary, trying to use Romans 14 as a, as a backdrop for this, I'd say, that's not, Paul's not dealing with where there's clear biblical instruction or principles or injunctions. Those issues he would deal with head on and do it in gentleness and respect and love and try to, try to teach very clearly on those matters. Um, but then you'd run into something like this eat, the eating of meats or, or not, uh, or recognition of days or not, uh, which again, I think would have been pretty prevalent in that day and age too, because you got... Jews still walking very much by the law, and so it's easy to bring some of those things into the mix. Uh, and so he takes those on. He takes those on in this passage, in both of these, and says, you know, that's, you got to be careful here. Those are issues that are, fall into this category, right? Uh, and when you face those, you be very careful not to divide. Watch your heart. Don't become judgmental. Don't look down with contempt on one another. Uh, so, yeah, I think it, it needs to be stated very clearly that the Bible has a lot to say about a lot of different matters, you know, immorality and, uh, you know, moral purity. and things. Lines we shouldn't cross. Yeah, lines we shouldn't cross. That, right. When we see right. that, that, that's not when we apply Romans 14 and say, oh, we can just do whatever we right. want on right. those matters. Right. No, 
I don't think so. There, there's, there's some absolutes here that, that we need to remember. And, and if I could add to that, um, you know, you talked about this last week about doctrinal issues, you know, about the deity of Christ and things. All yeah. right, that's a, yeah. those are sacred truths yep. we, we hold to. And then there are biblical injunctions like, let's say, don't commit adultery. Clear, you know, no ifs, ands, and buts. And then there are biblical principles that maybe the specific thing is not mentioned in Scripture, but the action is addressed by principles. Like, let's yeah. say a guy attending a strip club, okay? Yeah. Now, wisdom would teach me about, you know, lust, about, you know, that kind of sexuality being displayed, that that, I think, is an egregious act based yeah. on scriptural principle. That's not what is talked about here. Exactly. It's more things that are not breaking a standard that the scripture is plain about, uh, but instead is just a gray area that Christians really get wigged about. Yep, I think that's, that's dead on. And you're right, there's a, I mean, if you think about it, there's going to be a, a continuum. Somebody, if you pick something like movies or something, you go from Sleeping Beauty and animated movies all the way to a movie that's, you know, pornographic, you know, and you're like, well, obviously in there, there's, you cross, there's, you did cross a biblical principle when you got over mm -hmm, here. Mm -hmm. uh, and, but I think where we bring this passage into bear is earlier on when you're saying, okay, well, I'm over here, I'm in this gray area. Is this right or wrong here to be watching or reading this? Uh, it's not that it's boldly crossing some clear biblical line, but I'm, I want to know, do I, can I watch that, read that, study that with a clean conscience before the Lord? And I think that's what Romans 14 says. If your conscience is nagging you and bothering you on this, you got to watch, listen to that and, and go before the Lord and ask him to, you know, should I, maybe I shouldn't be doing this because I have a check here. And that, that for me, that's the line. And, 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 you know, the, we, we face these things. But, uh, yeah, it's key to see that even if the Bible didn't specifically bring up, like you mentioned, a strip club or something, it, it's clear that there's a principle here that I have violated a, a, a clear biblical teaching. And or like from. going to a Raiders game. That would be evil. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah just flat out wrong. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's right. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, leave it to Kevin to bring in the, the, the football. Yeah. All right. So um, uh, the implications for this seem to be pretty varied because there are lots of issues that we deal with. And what strikes me about this passage, and I thought you did a good job of this last week, that Paul doesn't get into the specifics of the issue itself. I mean, he does say, all right, all meat is sanctified. You can eat whatever, whatever food you want, okay? So, you know, he's not saying everybody ought to become a vegan. Yeah. Um, but if you are, no big deal, okay? Yep. Uh, and he doesn't get into the arguments for and against that. It seems that the issue is more how we are wielding that in our relationships. Does that yeah. ring true to you? Yeah, especially in the latter part of there, 14, when he starts talking about how are you taking your personal liberties using them around other believers are you doing so in a cavalier way that might set up a brother to stumble are you you know doing it in such a way that leads to a, a, an actual tearing down of something the lord is working and building up because that's sort of he uses some pretty stern language so it has to do with what how do we when we do end up with a conviction on one of these gray areas what are we then doing with that do we then look at upon, upon a person that has a, an opposite view in that gray area 
and you know, harbor ill will in our hearts or contempt or looking down or even worse yet, then actionably do something that puts them in a precarious position? It's, I mean, and it's a grievous thing to see when Christians do this, where they will allow relationships to be divided over the secondary issues. Yeah, it's great. And, and, make, and, and give it the kind of weight that it's like, the, you know, the deity of Christ and drums in the church, same yeah. thing, all right? You know, it's like, dude, <laughs> yeah. really? Yeah, take it too far. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and that's why, you know, he, he's willing, Paul, is, it's sort of cool, because he's willing to let us sort of have a little glimpse of his heart on the issues that he raised with his examples of the eating of meat and the recognition of days. Because he says in 1414, I know and I'm convinced that nothing is unclean in and of itself. That gives you a little view of Paul's take on this, as he's speaking for, I know, he's, this is me he's talking about, I, there's nothing unclean here. But he says to the one that acts in it, and they view it as being unclean and then they act on it, that, that's where the, the lines cross. So it's, uh, you know, you have to be careful w with all of this, but yeah, we can wield this in a, in a hurtful way at times. So we're to value the relationship with one another and that the relationship um, is, is important and even more important than what our position is on whatever that particular thing is. So let, let's talk about some of the passages by way of review. First yeah. Corinthians 8, 8 says, food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat and no better off if we do. So again, that is not the issue. Yeah. Um, and he says, thus sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. So we can't insist on our rights or on our freedom to, to do an item when it causes somebody to compromise their conscience. Yeah. Uh, so, for instance, uh, you could use something like, let's say, something that's innocuous to most people is playing cards. But let's say that I have a friend who had a gambling lifestyle, lost tens of thousands of dollars, almost lost his family over it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I invite him over to play poker. Yeah. Okay, and he came out of that life. You know, that could be putting him in a situation where it, fires up those temptations again. And he may have worked a long time in prayer before the Lord and the Lord to, get right. him, to bring him right. out of that. And then you're going to turn right around. And right. I think sort of, poker's no big deal, right? Yeah. What's the big deal? Yeah. But they would view it now. I don't play. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. I know I have friends and family who do. I'm yeah. just using that as an illustration. But if, if people were, were that callous to it and other people, people having a temptation in that. I think that's the kind of thing that Paul addresses. Yeah, I totally agree. That's, that's when you get to that latter part of 14, when he gets into the stumbling block issues. I mean, be aware that other folks have different convictions in some of these areas. And they might have come from a background that puts him in a precarious spot if you go bring him right back front and center with the issue. Uh, and they may end up violating their conscience on something that could have taken years for them to, right. to deal with. Right. So it's, it's a, you got, we got to be careful on that. Yeah. So here's some other uh, verses that highlight the relationship. As uh, Romans 14, 1, 
As for the one who's weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. Quit arguing about it. Yeah. It's interesting. It's almost like he's calling us to welcome or accept them in. But he says there could be a motive that you're actually welcoming them to try to quarrel with change them, to mind. try to change their mind. And he's like, that isn't the purpose here of what you're trying to do by welcoming them in. Romans 14.3, let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. So it's not just communicating the judgment. He's just saying passing judgment. I think even we have to train our mind to not go there and judging us like, that guy, you know, he just doesn't have yeah. it. That, that guy uh, does not understand things. That guy's not walking with God that he does this thing. Yeah. It's so easy for us to go down this We all road. do it. I mean, we don't yeah. even, it's, I agree. I think it's a matter of our own hearts. The first half of this chapter, it's like, he's really dealing with watch what you think in these matters about how you're handling a, a brother or sister that has a different opinion on one of these gray areas. Because it's real, real easy for you to pass judgment inside your mind. Like, oh, wow, they're willing to do that. That really, man, they're, they're off base. They're not right with the Lord on that. You're like, well, maybe we need to hold our horses here and, and check this out. Because Write that down. Hold your horses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Romans 14, 19. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbringing. Uh, so the, the unity of the body seems to take some sacrifice on our part, that we, that we quit holding on, demanding in a way that actually can be injurious to other people, and we're willing to set those aside for the sake of something bigger. Yeah, yeah. he calls it yeah, like what we should be focusing on, the things that are moving up to build up and versus, versus these issues which have a, have a tendency if we go down these roads to tear down at times. And so, yeah, it, it does take us a, a matter of, it's a matter of sacrifice. Were we willing to set aside some of our personal liberties for the betterment of another individual? And I think that's the rub. I, don't, I think a lot of people just, no, I'm not going to do that. Well, the reality is we live in a culture that our freedom is what we, we write movies and we have freedom and it's all about right, our freedom right, and it's all about right, what I get to do and right. it's about me and it's, everything we're told is about right. your personal freedoms. And it's like, so to give up a personal freedom, it takes a little bit of, you know, you have to think that they're in that's a That's a sacrifice now. Yet Christ, I mean, he was the ultimate example of this. So... You know, for the betterment of the, of the brother, the betterment of the sister, thinking of their righteousness versus you just enjoying your personal liberty. Nothing wrong with the personal liberty, by the way. He doesn't ever say there's right. nothing wrong with you having the personal right. liberty. But when it comes down to issues like this, if it's a matter of injuring another and tearing down the work of God or bringing right. another person in, in contempt in their conscience, it's, you, that's where you, you go with the, the road of, okay, I can set aside Right. My freedom on this issue. And again, this is not accommodating the legalist, the person yeah. who likes to go around judging and telling everybody else how they need to live their life, what their particular conviction should be. Yeah. That's not, this is not the guy. This is about a person who has a weak, sensitized conscience, had an experience in this before, and the Lord has worked in their life, and then I'm putting them in known temptation. Yeah. And if anything, you could use this passage to sort of go contrary to the legalist and say, well, look, you're trying to force your stance right. on, on a specific gray, gray area onto them. 
and it's gray, it's not a biblical injunction, and you're trying to make it that. Right. And isn't that sort of opposite of what this passage is trying to convey? Exactly. And I, I think the temptation for pastors, for churches, is to dictate to the congregation, just make it easier for everybody, and create the list. Yeah. Tell them what they should and shouldn't do. Hey, no drinking. Uh, you know. It's uh, a lot easier just write no, no drinking. Rule no yoga. There. No movies. No whatever. Yeah. And yet what that does is it, that creates more of a uniformity than unity. Because unity is that there is a disagreement about those things within our body, and yet we can still love, support one another, respect one another, even when there's a disagreement, again, about those secondary about issues. About the secondary issues, yeah. Um, it also makes it a little bit more, when you make the list and the churches promote a list, it turns it into a more of a workspace thing. It's like, well, I'm doing what the church told me to do. Right. It's like, right. well, is that, or is it about, you know, being subservient to Christ and, and actually walking in the freedoms that we are afforded there? Because right. it, it can quickly become man's own little religious you know, fill in your, are you checking all of our lists off? If you are, then you're in good standing. It's like, right. well, is that really right. what it's about? You right. know, so it can become a dangerous situation. And again, it, it's not that, and I don't want to sound like I'm condemning other churches who do that. I know that everybody pretty much does. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like it. And, and so it's just that I think there's a better way to approach it, and that would be to allow the Spirit of God to speak to each person and to help individuals know how to deal with these differences yeah. so that they can go before the Lord. And what I don't want to do is hijack that growth that each individual can go through by telling them what to do. Yeah, especially uh, on these gray areas, which is, right. is what we're dealing with. Because Paul, you know, you read, I made the issue last week, when you get to chapter 12, he has this huge therefore, and, he, and now he's saying, in light of everything, here's how we are to walk. Well, if you were to read Romans 12, you'll find a pretty good list actually of do this and don't do that and be at peace and then you know don't don't take revenge and leave leave room for the and there's a lot of there's a lot of instruction there but those are the those are where we took yeah. those are the biblical principles right those are the areas where Paul's exactly. able to, to stand up as a hero of the principles here but when you get to the gray areas you, you don't have the big list of do this yeah. don't do that if i really believe in the holy spirit can i not let the holy spirit do his work in each and every person yeah that's, that's, again, the walking by the Spirit is, is going to be key here with these sorts of situations, in my mind, because you're letting the Spirit convict and guide us as we face various situations that come our way. It could, you know, it could be a political issue, it could be a socio-political thing where the government's involved, but there's also a social aspect. You know, say, Lord, how are we to, how are we to handle this? Is that, you know, uh, let us, you know, walk with a with with a, with a reverence of what you want us. How do you want us to handle this? And and then I think as we do that individually, the Lord he he he'll he'll give us guidance. You know, right. when you seek Him and draw near to Him, He'll give us help and guidance uh, as a good shepherd would. You know, right. to right. lead His sheep. So. Right. Hey, I got to move forward. Yeah. There's a lot yeah. more a yeah. lot more we could cover, but I want to leave time <laughs> for some questions yeah. later. So when when there's disunity, uh, Paul makes it clear, and he talks about it being sin. When we are ramrodding our view, when we're causing disunity, it, it, it's sin uh, for for the individual. And it and it could be in the church too, if I'm, you know, leadership is allowing it um, and not not addressing it. Um, but when that happens, when there's disunity, 
I, I would suggest there are three things that take place. One is that there is a dethroning of Christ. In other words, I am taking my issue and making it preeminent over the unity that we have in Christ, that I'm not going to have fellowship with you unless we can agree on the political party, unless we can agree on uh, some other thing, yeah. mask or whatever it yeah. is you, know, you want to put, right? Um, and then that, that supplants Christ, I think, and, and is, is uh, injurious to unity. The other is we have devalued relationships. So instead of love being the law, um, we are trying to have our agenda uh, to dictate, and that becomes the goal. And we're willing to sacrifice relationships. The, it's such a sad thing to see bodies, church bodies, torn apart by these secondary disagreements, and it happens all the time. All the time. Even families. I've seen parents yeah. that will disown children because they disagree with them on some of these issues. And it's like, what are you doing to your family? I, and now the way I look at it, you, you, uh, some of you may disagree with me. You're certainly free to do that. But I think even if my child abrogated the word of God, got, you know, left Christ, was immoral, I'm still going to love them. I still want them to know that they're important to me and that I care about them and that, that I respect them as a human being. My heart would be broken if there would be great disappointment, but when do I have the right to say, you know, I don't want to have anything to do with yeah. you? And I was trying to think of, somebody asked me that question in the first service, I can think of, okay, if I had a kid that was on drugs and was stealing from me, then I'd probably say, all right, you're not welcome in my home. I'm not going to have that. Um, but I still want to be friendly to them. Yeah, just because you moved them out of the house doesn't mean you're not, you're still welcome right. as, a, as right. a son or a daughter that you're right. trying to extend the Right. Kind of help through right. this tough time for them. Even if I'm the guy on the with the shotgun on the front lawn, I'm still going to love them, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there, you're trying to you're you're defending somebody, right? Right. Um, so uh, last is that we have diminished our mission, and so as members of the kingdom of God, um, uh, I realize that I'm building the kingdom of God and not the kingdom of Earth. And, and my allegiance is to that and not... What, what I think gets me is not the disagreement. It's not that, you know, people will um, believe something, you know, the conspiracy theories and all that's been flying around yeah. now. It's not even that. It's the fact, and I, I read this in an article the other day, and it was like, it, it kind of rings true, that people will get more upset about somebody who will show disdain for a conspiracy theory or not believe them politically, they, they will show disdain for them verse, and uh, find it more acceptable that somebody would uh, disown the gospel or leave Christ. And it's like, wait a minute, are our priorities a little off here? Um, that, uh, and I'm not suggesting we disown people, but I'm just saying that it seems we, we are passionate, we spend hours divulging ourselves in this. And it's like, and then when it comes to the gospel, it comes to the people of God, it's like, nary is there that kind of a passion. That seems to be a way that we're wielding it that um, is diminishing our mission. Yeah. And our zeal should be for the Lord and his kingdom. Right, right. And we can put a lot of other things into that, that blank. What is your zeal for? What is your motivation for? And 
we have to be careful that we keep the focus on what his mission is for us and what his kingdom is about. And uh, we can, because uh, I was talking to some folks beforehand, is like we can, if we turn other things into our focus, be actually fighting against God's own plan at times. And so I think you've got to be careful to say, what is his mission here, as we know it in the scriptures? Because when we turn some political thing in there, it's like, we might be, you know, getting a little off base. Our bullseye is no longer on Christ and his kingdom. It's becoming some agenda that we have. Like you could think it's for good, too. I mean, right, it could right. be you think it's for good, but is the Lord doing something? You that... can't give it a priority. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I mean, if something stops me in my track, it's think, I'm thinking as a pastor or as a church, can you imagine us actually getting in God's way? Yeah, that that you don't want to you don't want to be in that position. It's like wow. You know that if you're in that position, he's going to get done what he wants to get. I'm not saying it's never happened. Exactly. I'm not saying my heart has always been pure, but I'm just saying that that is a sobering thought. It's one of the reasons James wrote, you know, teachers shall incur a stricter judgment. judgment. Um, Yeah, you're leading people. Um, So let's talk about then. All right, uh, I'm dealing with one of these gray areas. What are some things then that I need to pay attention to? Uh, so just kind of calling out principles from what we've talked about. Let me, um, let me say some of these and then I'd like your comment. First of all, am I defiling a biblical injunction or principle? So we've kind of already hit on that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and what they're dealing with here is not that, but I need to ask myself the question, does the scripture address this action I'm considering? Yeah. Yeah, when you, especially when you deal with the gray area, that was a question I had last week is how do we define the gray area? Well, the very first thing you'd say is, does it, does it take the gray area, the issue that's at hand, put it under the microscope of the scripture and say, does the scripture talk about this issue? If it does, I don't think it's a gray area. It's actually the scripture dealt with that right, area. And right. so you can, you can say, okay, we're going to move on and study that biblical principle and passage well so we know it well. Right. Uh, so that is a lead-off question, I think, whenever you get to these things. Is, is there a biblical principle and injunction that we need to subject this to? So. All right, next is, am I considerate and loving of fellow believers? Yeah, that, to me, that's the motivation. And, and what's interesting with that question is that either way, if it is a violation of a biblical principle or if it's truly a gray area, in either event, you're actually motivated by love to either live with the disagreement on the gray area, right? You're motivated of love to not cause a stumbling block, not cause a, a snare for them. If it is a biblical injunction, hopefully you're motivated out of love to go talk to that individual, try to you know, teach and correct and admonish them and, and help them through. So yeah, I think the question of what is my motivation in these areas, especially when you get to the gray areas, because you can, as we've seen outside our doors and even in the church, it can become pretty heated and motivated. There's, and you say, well, what is the motivation here? Is it love for the other or not? Next is, um, is my action promoting sin with a weaker brother? Yeah, that's a big question that I think is, again, I think walking by the Spirit, you're going to have to you know, turn it over to the Lord, but realize there's a sensitivity. What reason I say turn it over to the Lord we don't always know what, like the story you told with the, the, the person with the cards and coming out of gambling. We may not know everything that a person struggled with in their conscience, right? But if we go before the Lord and we're sensitive, if we're having folks over for a Super Bowl party, like you mentioned a few weeks ago, or some other event, you say, you know, better be careful. 
someone might have struggled with this. I might either think about praying to the Lord and see, Lord, should we do this or not? Should we send out an email, let some folks know ahead of time? Do we need to talk to some of these folks? So I think that's where the sensitivity is. Regarding alcohol. Yeah, regarding yeah. alcohol yeah. in that yeah. case, yeah. yeah. I mean, you could fill in the blank, though, if we're having a Halloween deal, we'll invite some kids over to go trick-or-treating. It's like, well, maybe the, what if they don't like Halloween and we need to you know, reach out and find out, is this something, I don't want to put you in a position... Yeah, I'm, I mean, it's true. I mean, we, 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 yeah. I, got, I got a funny story about that. I, yeah. I think you've heard me tell this before that uh, we've got a son, Brian, that's very, very passionate about things. Yeah. And uh, he, I don't know, he was about three or four. And uh, Janet had been asked a question. She was homeschooling him at the time. And, you know, she said, well, some people think, you know, what some of the uh, roots are of Halloween, you know. And yeah. she talked about that. And um, Brian, on his own, went to the garage got a hammer and started pounding the pumpkins on our front porch, <laughs> getting rid of the pumpkins. <laughs> Destroy it all. to him, really, they were evil. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, and that would be wrong to make him carve that's pumpkins. Right. That's that's like, right. yeah, you, need to, you need to smash those and get them out of here. Yeah. Uh, oh, man, I love it. But, you that. know, we laugh about it, but the reality is there are people that it, you, we got to be sensitive to that. That's I think right. That's what's at the that's heart right. of that question is, be sensitive towards others that, that very well may have a conviction in this area because right, right. we can be cavalier and, and so doing put a snare there. And I'm not saying that to, yeah. you know, try to devalue people yeah. that do Halloween. I'm just yeah, using yeah. as an illustration. Yeah. I need to make that clear. Yeah. Um, uh, can I do this action in faith or confidence that I'm aligning with biblical principles and love? Yeah. So the, the uh, Romans talked about whatever is not of faith is sin. So, you know, it's kind of tricky to understand what he actually meant. But I think uh, you might agree with me that there's a, there's a confidence that what I'm doing is not defiling my conscience and is aligning with the word of God. And that is synonymous with faith. Yeah, in that case, yeah, that, the word for faith that Paul uses is the same word you see throughout the New Testament, the Greek word pistis, which means a firm conviction or a belief within an individual. And it really, the Greek word can be used for anything, a strong conviction or belief about anything. Now, many times then you have to look at context to say, now what, what faith, what is that faith in? What is that conviction in? And in the context, you'll find many times in the New Testament, he's talking about belief in Christ or belief that Jesus is the Messiah or the Son of God or fill in the blank of, of a, you know, a salvific sort of faith. Uh, but then there's times like Romans 14 where he comes along in the second verse and he just says, one has faith that he may eat all things. Well, that tells you what kind of conviction he's talking about. We're not talking about conviction about whether Christ is the Messiah or not. There is just this personal conviction of conscience as to whether they, they feel they have a belief that they can eat this item or not. Right. And in that situation, the personal conviction of your conscience as to what you are convinced you can or cannot do on this particular issue, that becomes the line for you, right? If you cross it, he says, you're not walking in faith because you, you had a conscience conviction, you know, check there in your spirit saying, I don't, shouldn't be doing that, but you went ahead and did it anyway. And that's where you, you stepped over the line. And yeah. uh, that, that, that's, I think, what he's after the, with the, the faith term in Romans 14 is that inward conviction. Another one is, am I arrogantly or cavalierly proclaiming my freedom? Yeah, you can, you can definitely wield your, your personal liberty as such to, you know, before others arrogantly and in so do 
so doing harm them in the end, which what we talked about putting a stumbling block. So, yeah. And by arrogant, it means it doesn't matter what another person thinks. It doesn't matter what other information is there. I don't care what it does to the other person. You're infringing upon my freedom. This is what I'm going to do. Yeah. So get out of my way. Get out of my way. Next is, am I promoting an agenda or trying to change an opinion on this? It becomes important that you agree with me. That becomes yeah. the most important thing. Not that I love you, not that I show respect, yeah. but that you see my side of things. Yeah, which in Romans 14, sticking with that one again, it's sort of, he's not trying to move the other to have the same opinion. He doesn't tell the two, the two groups, the weak and the strong, and say, you must be of the same opinion on this gray area. He says, it's okay to have a difference in, these, in this area. Uh, in fact, if anything, you just watch how you treat the other and then make sure you're careful not to put the, the stumbling block. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, you don't, the call here is not to try to have uniformity and opinion on all gray areas. So. so those are things that I think we can all ask ourselves, no matter what the uh, issue is, and yeah. I think it can help to give us some guidance. And again, Paul does not give a list. Yeah. This is what you should or shouldn't do on these gray areas, but he does give us principles in which we can apply them. And my result may be different than yours, and that's okay. It's okay. And we need to allow for that within the body of Christ on these gray areas and not expect everyone to agree with us. Amen. Amen. Um, yeah. So how about some questions that some of you may have? Um, if we don't have time to answer the questions here, you can text us this. We'll be happy to address this uh, later today. Um, and uh, so, or if you just feel more comfortable texting it, feel free to do that at the number that you see on the screen. But anybody have any questions that we could, we could address before we close? Yes. Go ahead. Pastor, I'd like to go over the um, question that I was asking because I think that's important um, to repeat what you said is the obligation or the, the hope is that repentance would come. So uh, a gentleman asked, um, where do you draw the line? Um, oh, is, are you ever right to maybe exclude somebody in relationships? Well, that's a tricky one. 
And I think that there are probably different approaches on it. I do think there's a line, like I mentioned before about the drugs, that I can, I can make a separation. When it comes to actually having conversations, of course, I teach philosophy and I teach an ethics class, so the whole class is about having these tough conversations with atheists and theists, and you gotta let people talk, and I personally don't mind that. I find that invigorating, I find that welcome, I want people to get their ideas out and then you can analyze them and look at them and, and ask questions. I never want to try, to try to dictate to people what they think, but I can ask questions. Say, well, what do, you, you know, what do you think of this? And get them to think instead of making all these declarative statements. I find that to be you know, kind of my wheelhouse in that. Um, but, but, but if a person is trying to convince me, let's say to be an atheist, and they're trying to give an argument. You know, I can, I can see myself getting the point. It's like, dude, all right? Uh, that's the point of the conversation. I might say, I'm, you know, uh, you don't have to do that anymore, right? <laughs> um, and that, that may have been what was happening. I don't know. It affects you negatively. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right, be very injurious. And so I'm like, well, you know, money can't go through all the time. It's not money, it's everything. And I guess, I guess because I'm so sensitive to, if it had not been for the Lord on my side, where would I be? Yeah. I have nothing, you know. Yeah. Just, well, I remember talking to my mother-in-law, who's now deceased, and her just in such tears and so grievous because of one of her kids in a sexual practice that so broke her heart, you know, and she just couldn't even have the conversation because it was just so hurtful. Um, and, you know, I'm not gonna force the conversation at that point, you know, you just realize some people have a, a threshold and um, so you have to be sensitive to that. So, yeah, do you have a question, Andy? Yeah, and I would yeah. say in those situations, you have a, a declarative scriptural statement and you can address that with those items that you mentioned. I think what we're talking about are these gray areas. Well, and, and the, okay. 
that that there may not be a declarative statement yeah. from from the scripture. Uh, so I think we still, no matter what, we take people to the Word of God, right? Whether it's a whether it's a principle or an injunction, we can we can teach and uh, and help people. Um, but uh, I'm not. I look at your face. I'm not sure I answered your question. You look. Well, I mean, <laughs> so let me make a but, real quick comment for Andy because I do think that I tried to hit this a little last week too. Is that Paul in both Romans 14 as was same as Galatians 2 and in Timothy where he talks about how you need to correct and work to admonish and bring a, a brother, uh, you know, hopefully win them over. Uh, in both of those cases, he's feeding truth. Romans 14 is just as much true as dealing with the issue of, say, homosexuality and having to, like you're saying, where there is a clear biblical uh, principle, and Paul would be right where you're saying. He's saying, I've got to tell them the truth about this. Just like when I get to a, what we're talking about, gray area, something like this, and I'm just going to go ahead and bring the elephant out into the room here, but if I bring out this little thing here, this, in my mind, fits the category of Romans 14 pretty, pretty well, right? And he said, I'm going to give my brothers and sisters truth on this kind of issue, too, on an issue where the Lord is not declaring an unclean or an a clean. He's like, I'm going to give you truth on that. But when there's an area where there is a clear unclean and a clean, like what you're saying where you're dealing with some of this coming in a lifestyle that's actually sinful and wrong, Paul doesn't say he's not, he's, he still will be there giving the truth about what's clean and unclean in that situation. Uh, because, again, sticking with this one, I would say, well, if I put this under the litmus of Scripture, I would say, well, I can't find a single passage in Scripture that says, thou shalt not wear a covering over nose and mouth at any time. There's no passage like that, right? And, so, and, and it also fits it pretty well because it's a, it's a total external thing, no different than this shirt I'm wearing. If I was up here, you know, with, you know, with my clothing, we could start pointing things about clothing, too. This is just another item that I could or could not choose to wear. And it's, so it fits the Romans 14 thing pretty well. And then if I was to further run with this, is that if we take what we're talking about here and run with what Paul's fed us as truth in the matter on things like this, we should say, okay, if you're a believer that it's wrong to, to wear a mask for whatever reason. I'm not going to go into all the different reasons. There's plenty of different reasons. So you're in that category. How do you, when you see a brother or sister wearing one of these, what's your thought in your heart? Vice versa, if you think that you should always wear a mask and you're firmly committed to wearing masks, what happens when you see a brother or sister that doesn't, is, for some reason, is, is on the other side of the fence on this gray area? That's where the, the, I think Romans 14 comes in. Now, what's interesting, we were talking about this the other day, is if I drive five miles this way and I enter the jurisdiction of the, of the of, Springfield, of Springfield City, limits. City limits, this now moves from a Romans 14 issue to a Romans 13 issue. Because all of a sudden now, a governing authority says, you shall wear this. And all of a sudden now, I've got another truth again from Paul, moved by the Spirit, saying, you need to submit to governing authorities because all governing authorities have been established by God. And so I'd say, just no different than me having to wear my seatbelt or obeying the, city or the, the speed limit, I need to submit to, to especially on something like this that's not calling me to do something against the will of God, like bow down to an idol or something. Right. So I think what you're after is, is true. We should always be about giving folks truth. In this case, Paul's giving us good truth about 
issues like such as this. And then, but then he'll come along when he has a brother or sister in a different situation that's an incest, say, over in Corinthia, the Corinthian church, and he tries to deal with that, right? He'd hopefully bring restoration, bring them out of, out of an errant situation. So, but I, I agree, we want to be focused on, on the truth here. Can you say one more thing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we're out of time. I want to thank you all for coming today. I sure appreciate it. Again, if you have a question that you'd like to text, you feel free to do that. I want to thank Joel for being with us and uh, sharing with us. If you are interested in attending our lunch for new people, that's right after the service, just in the room right across the hallway there. Uh, we invite you to join with us. Uh, Father, we thank you for this opportunity uh, to meet. Uh, Lord, I failed to mention earlier the uh, loss of Rochelle Pollock's uh, father and stepmom in the fire and battlefield. And I pray that you would um, comfort this dear family uh, during this week as they uh, continue with dealing with all the details of that. May they know that their hope is in Christ and uh, as they look forward to seeing uh, their parents again, we just uh, thank you for this hope in Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your word that gives us instruction. May you maintain the unity of your saints. May you help us to live uh, dependent upon your spirit, not relying upon man's rules, and uh, sharing grace and love with one another. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We are dismissed.